Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Dave, we are live. Hello, Penn State people. I'm Bob Flounders. He's Dave Jones. He's back from Downingtown. I think this is going to be a pretty interesting blue-white breakdown, Dave, because I am going to tee you up for some things I think you really, really want to talk about. I know you were at the Penn State men's basketball game last night. I just want to get your thoughts on Juwan Howard, and I also want to get your thoughts, Dave, on uh, the decision not to expand the college football playoff, I believe, for the next four years. So with those three things in the air, like what do you want to, what do you want to dive into first? Uh, what do you want to know? Oh, Maryland. What a what a ridiculous – they've got all this protocol, right? I, they've got a lot of protocol at Maryland, and I'm all – I'm for it. I'll do whatever you ask me to, to do, mm-hmm. but fulfill the protocol, right, if you're going to prepare for all these things. Uh-huh. They ask you with your credential application to bring proof of vaccination, which I came out in favor of. I'm, I'm, great. I'm great with that. So I, I do yeah. it. You take a picture of your vaccination card, and I'm looking for the media entrance. I don't really find it, but they let me through another entrance, which is kind of weird, but okay. I'm fine with it. I, I come in, then I check for any vaccination card. Then I go around to the bag uh, table, and there's this kid who might have, might have been 21, maybe 19, and he's going... Uh, he's he's kind of nervous, and he's like, um, 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 and we we don't usually allow people in with backpacks, and he's not even <laughs> used to having me there. He goes, I'm like, dude, I'm a reporter, and he's taking like 20 seconds to say this, kind of like I am now, and yeah. he he he's he's going, uh, we really don't allow we usually allow back. I said, dude, I'm a reporter. We all have backpacks, and he went, oh. Okay. That's your fault. You went in the wrong entrance, Dave. No, he let me in. He let me uh, in. Everyone said you. That's because you intimidated him. That's why. <laughs> so after all that, then I'm in, on the wrong side of the arena. Have you ever seen the, where the students sit on that wall? Yeah, it's the Xfinity Center. I believe it used to be the Comcast Center. It's the kind of the, one of the places where they take over your internet on your phone, your connection, and try to force you into using Xfinity all the time. You know those. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, it's delightful, especially during deadline. Um, but you got to you you got to walk down this wall from that end, and it is cool. I mean, it's like thirty six degrees. I heard it's as 
steep a wall, a steep uh, seat level as there is in college basketball. But I, I mean, I, w- I was like going down, descending the Hillary step. I mean, it was it was very, very cool. Anyway, that was my experience. Well, hey, uh, at least you made it back safe. You uh, you intimidated a poor guy doing it, just trying to get some money, probably a student work. Dave, I still think we should have, we could have, we could have led with something else. Juwan Howard, Wisconsin. I know you had, I, I know you, I think you were thinking of writing something about it. I'm not sure if you were able to do it yesterday, yesterday, because it was on the budget because you were going to the game, but I know you had some pretty strong thoughts about it. He's going to be suspended for the rest of the regular season, five games. Uh, everyone else involved, I think pretty much got what one game or minimal. And there's a little bit of, of, uh, fine, finance going on, but, uh, what did you think and how shocked were you at the way he behaved? What I wrote was that I really couldn't get all that worked up over it compared to some other stuff that are going, is going on in the world right now and people mm-hmm. losing their minds and clutching their pearls over this. On the other hand, it was a couple of big babies on both sides, the coaches. And Greg Card's not blameless because he's one of those passive, passive-aggressive guys. And so is Wisconsin. Wisconsin as a program since Bo Ryan took over has been the, the nudge. You know, they will, they, they've always got the guy like Brad Davison who will take little cheap shots and, and give you elbows and then go to the ref when, when the guy responds. <laughs> One of those guys, you know, he's in his eighth <laughs> year now. They're, they're, they're annoying and everyone hates him. Everyone in the league hates him. Uh, and I'm I'm a big I was a huge fan of Dick Bennett, not so much of Bo Ryan that much, but I know he was an interesting guy. And now they got Bo's protege, his his uh, spawn, uh, Greg Gord, <laughs> who pretty much is a Wisconsin guy without Bo's style. You know, he, he's he looks like a bus driver. He's <laughs> and he was doing little things throughout the game, and then so was. And, and Juwan's Howard getting guys' brains beat in. I mean, Wisconsin. I don't know if you. I was watching the game, but I was like, I, well, I did, it was one sided, and I, I was just barely looking at it because it was yeah. wasn't really competitive. And then I just saw a melee, and then I, then I saw what started. I'm like, you mean the coaches started it? <laughs> this thing was a succession of mess with you, little passive aggressive moves by the coaches. Greg Gard's probably left his stars in too long, finally took him out in a 19-point game with 48 seconds left. <laughs> They're doing victory laps. You know, the freshman <laughs> guard, the freshman guard, mind you, hit a three-pointer at the shot clock, and they're they're really celebrating. They're they're living it up. And then they he takes his starters out. So Juwan Howard thinks, okay, I'm gonna press. I'm gonna press the walk-ons. <laughs> and he he gets it down to 14 you know for what what are you doing what are you doing he gets it down to 14 and greg guard and then they're pressing the walk-ons again and the the timeline clock is at four yeah. and guard calls the timeout <laughs> ostensibly he said later because he wanted to give the walk-ons time another an extra six the, seconds that re, re- violation or yeah when you call a timeout <laughs> now, come on man come on you know that that's it's that's that's like the 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 hateable frat, but the the who was the other frat house, not the Deltas, the other guys in. Oh, in like those guys. you're talking yeah. about the Delta. Oh, it's gonna come to me. Just keep talking. It was, and and then you know, Jawan Howard has got to be just seething. 
he, he's been glaring down at you. But but guard, no guard has to go through the handshake line and shake hands with everybody, which he did. And he gets up to Howard, and Howard says, "I'm gonna remember that." Takes his <laughs> takes his mask down and says, "I'm gonna remember that." And guard can't say, "Okay, fine." Look at the scoreboard and walk by. I mean, yeah. wouldn't wouldn't that be what you would do? Why would you not yeah. do that? But no, he's got to stop and, and try to explain the rule right. stipulation. And you know, he puts his hand on his on his arm. And I would have done the same thing. You know me; I'm probably going to blow at that point, and anything could happen. Short fuse, uh, John. You got a short fuse. I know. I'm not absolving John Howard because everything was pretty cool at that point. I gave him. Plenty of leeway to have a to, to have a jostling match with guard and say get your get your mf and hands off of me, and then that would have been the end of it. But Joe Krabenhoft, Krabenhoft, great from, name. He has to get into the scrum. Just look, and you can see him. Uh, Sharif Chambliss, who's an, also a Badger assistant, former Lion from Racine, yeah. Wisconsin. He's trying to be a peacemaker. It looks like to me. I tried to get it. I got a hold of him, but he, as you can imagine, didn't want to say anything. Yeah. Neither did Phil Martelli. I texted both of them because I, I know him pretty well. And they weren't going to touch this, of course, but I had to try. But Kramenhoff's like the frat boy that he was, even at 34 or whatever he is. Like, hey, hey, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? You can you can see him doing that. And Howard just takes a pop at him. <laughs> I, I mean, you knew he slapped him. Was, it was an open hand slap. Yeah, he just kind of, kind of, kind of bitch slapped, and and yeah. you know, he just wanted he, he wanted to throw down with him because Joe Krabenhoff is that kind of guy. He really is. He always was. There's certain guys in the Big Ten over the years who you loved having on your team, hated playing against him, and really hated him. He's kind of lowercase uh, Bill Lambier, one of those guys, and. Then all hell breaks loose because when Howard throws whatever you want to call that, throws the slap, it gives all the players tacit approval to go at it. And this is not hockey. You can't do it. It's not a professional sport either. You can't do it. You cannot do it. No matter the everything else was provocation. And then Howard does that. Hey, man, at, at that point, anything, anything is game as far as punishment for him. I would have thought about – I called up Fran Fraschillo, my old friend who's a coach yeah. uh, who coached at St. John's in um, New Mexico and a longtime assistant under Gary Williams and a whole bunch of other people at Ohio State. I'd known him from since he was at Ohio um, when we were both kids. And he said, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't fire him. This is before the decision was handed down. Yeah. I wouldn't fire him. Uh, but you got to think about the rest of the season, and that's what Michigan ultimately did. I didn't. I, I thought it was going to be between two games, the ultimate minimum, which because I, I could read Ward Manuel's first statement, kind of giving him wiggle room, and I'm thinking, man. So I thought it was going to be between two two games and five the rest of the season. I knew they weren't going to fire him because mm-hmm. he's part of the Michigan brand. He's Fab Five. He's royalty in Michigan. Plus. He's going to recruit like no Michigan basketball and, and has already, like no Michigan basketball coach ever has. And that includes guys who were they were doing things that probably weren't legal when and that and now are, I'll put it that way. 
he his what did you think of his apology? You read it, right? Uh not very believable. He didn't he didn't his heart wasn't in that apology. Yeah, Brennan I, I don't I don't really think he meant it. I think he's still our, pissed. Our our friend Mark Brennan saw that and put out like a a Facebook posting on Twitter that this is this this is the right thing to do. This is, seems like a sincere apology. From, from, <laughs> and uh, did you think that? You know, I, I you know we Mark's like my oldest friend in the business, and I love him yeah. and everything. But I just don't agree with him there. Nah. I, I I kind of feel the way you do. He, he was literally probably put a gun to his head and said, "Write this if you want to stay at Michigan." <laughs> and you know what else he did? They probably wrote it for him. Yeah, well, it looks like he wrote about half of it, and and the part that he wrote probably was sincere about the Michigan man and everything. But you know what else he did that people didn't catch except from Wisconsin? He didn't get Joe Kramenhoff's name right. He called him Joe. <laughs> Which very easily could be another little passive-aggressive dig. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. What are the odds, Dave? These guys are going to see each other again this year in the tor- in the in the <laughs> conference tournament. They still have that, well, right? That's one of the reasons I've been asking Chris if I can go to Indianapolis. No. <laughs> uh, uh, it, yeah, it would. Well, they probably have to have a police presence uh, available, would they not? Oh, you the know. ratings, Dave. The ratings. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it. There is an there is an elephant in the room here that is also true. If if you you would you would try to if you had to name the most black urban program in the Big Ten, it would probably be Michigan. If you could had to name the most pasty kind of rural program in the Big Ten, probably Wisconsin. I don't really think race came into it at, at all that way. It's more about just personality of the programs. They basically just don't see anything alike, which is funny. It's it's not. It's not a racial thing per se. It's just funny because Michigan, if you had to try to pick two neighboring schools that really see nothing the same, probably be Michigan and Wisconsin as far as the, the kids who go there. They're both, they're both kind of liberal schools, so that's that's yeah. that's alike that way. But as, as far as the athletic teams, there's they you can you know you know in football how much they hate each other, except they just yeah. don't need each other that much. Yeah. yeah, Dave, I thought like earlier in the year, the uh, the hostility between Texas and Texas Tech because of the coach changed sides. And it was like, you know, it was thermonuclear, I think, at Texas Tech when Texas walked into there the first time. But I think for the next couple years, it's going to be a little bit of an intense atmosphere for uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, whether it's in Ann Arbor or in Madison. It's going to be. Uh, I think be, I think both teams are going to be are going to be ready to go as far as you're not you're not going to you're going to see some really 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 intense games. It would be worse if the fan base the fan bases of those two schools, especially for basketball, just aren't that combustible. Like if they were going into if if Michigan was going into West Virginia, that would be <laughs> like like a WVU field arena that would that would be the Coliseum that would be yeah. intense that's a but good point Wisconsin Wisconsin people are too nice and Michigan fans just they don't really care that much about basketball they never they never did this is the blue white breakdown welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. 
Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. We need to talk about the, the decision just to stay at four teams for the playoff uh, for, the, for the next few years. What do you think about it? Did it surprise you? Uh, in, your, in your mind, what is the impact on Penn State, if anything at all? Well, this consortium that the Pac-12, the ACC, and Big Ten ostensibly were making really seems to have no purpose now. I mean, (laughs) to me, the whole purpose of this historic alliance, as they called it, was to pump. And by the way, I wrote about it before they did it. I almost feel like Kevin Warren read my column, like because they weren't they weren't. I didn't hear anything about this until like two or three weeks after I wrote what they should do, which is try to acquire as much computer juice and the computer rankings as possible. Well, how do you do that? Uh, You probably uh, pare down your conference games to eight and start playing teams from the ACC and the Pac-12. And I said that exact thing. And then they came out and did it, said they were going to do it. Well, the Big Ten is, is saying they'd rather stay at nine games now. Well, how, how are you going to have room for another a game from a, two yeah. games from cross-conference games? You're not. And the ACC kind of blew the whole thing up. The ACC blew the expansion to 12 or 8 up. I, I'm sure the SEC wanted 12. I don't know what the hell the ACC thinks or wants, but – they better be careful. Their grant of rights goes a long time. But to me, Florida State is a vulnerable entity, and so is Clemson to, for, for poaching from the SEC. And I don't know. You, you would have the same problem with it ra- rationally as you would with Texas and Oklahoma. It's like, what are you doing? You can win this conference. What are you doing going to that? Well, it's all about money. Like the ACC is making about $32 million per school on their, their TV agreement, their TV and streaming agreement, because they signed it for a, a long period. I think, it's, I think it's 20 years in advance. And it's, why would you do that? I'm pretty sure it's 20. It might be 15 years. It's a long time in the future. And this is a growth industry. Why would yeah. you lock yourself into that rate, which is going to – it's already obsolete – while the SEC, I think, just signed their new agreement at $56 million per school, the Big Ten will probably top that in its next contract. And here's Florida State and Clemson in a place where they could be losing the arms race. Now, the SEC would have to want them enough to chip in in their buyout because they signed a grant of rights with the ACC for like 30 years in the future, and it's going to be costly. But it was costly to get Oklahoma and Texas out. It might be worth their while. I, I, I think it's a, a misstep. I think anything that expands the playoff, I, I don't know how you feel, but I feel is good for the, the leagues that have been suffering and not getting any teams in the playoff. Well, who is that? That's the ACC other than Clemson. Notre Dame's been in a couple times, but they're not really a full member and don't want to be. The Pac-12 has had almost no involvement. Um, I think the ACC blew it up. Uh, the Big Ten was in favor of it. They wanted to expand it. Kevin Warren came out and said that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a boondoggle. 
I think they should have said, okay, how many, how many do you want to expand to? Eight, 12, whichever. I would have preferred eight myself, but I could have agreed to 12. How do you, how do you feel about it? I agree with you. And I, I, I think if you're Penn State, I mean, you said the Big Ten. I mean, I think, I think a lot of schools are not happy about this. I mean, I don't see how James Franklin and Penn State are happy about this because you expand, um, you have a, ch- you have a chance of getting a second or even a third team in the playoff. And now it's, you're going up against Ohio state. Who's just going to, st- like you say, they stack five-star classes. And I mean, the odds are the way that the, the conference is set up, there's not going to be a second team from the big 10 considered. It's just not going to, it's not going to happen. And I think that there's nothing wrong with eight teams, I think in, in the next year or two, but this, I just, to stay at four, I thought this was going to be a foregone conclusion. The only question was how soon were they going to do it? But I just, I don't, I think the majority, the majority of the schools have to be pretty unhappy about this. It was a foregone conclusion, I think, until Oklahoma and Texas jumped to the SEC. And that kind of chafed the historic Alliance conferences, pretty much everybody else, especially the Big 12. And then everyone put the brakes on it almost to spite the SEC. They Sankey, those guys, they're like, hey, whatever you guys want to do, we're going to we're going to have two teams in the, in the I was going to say, they're no still going to have half the field. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were banking on having a lot of the field anyway. They were yeah, like three, four teams. or five teams. Yeah. yeah. They were thinking four or five if they had a 12 team tournament. And that's what they wanted. Uh, and you can understand that. But at least you have a chance. Like I said, if you're all playing each other in these other conferences and the SEC is playing Troy and North Texas uh, for four games, which they do. A lot of those schools, not all of them, but a lot of them do, especially the Alabamas, and so they, they might play one TV game. Then you've got more computer juice maybe, and you can – because they do look at metrics, the committee, they do. And if you play better non-conference games, even if they're marginally better, at least against power conference schools, you can rationalize, well, we should be in. These guys didn't even try. They didn't play anybody. That's the way it works in the NCAA tournament. If you have an expanded football tournament, it's more like the NCAA tournament. You have to, to rely more on metrics. Yeah. If the if the alliance had stuck with this plan, ripped up their non-conference schedules, said, okay, we're, we can't play Toledo this year. We can't play San Jose State. We're going to play these games. Uh, suddenly, the SEC, they're not so comfortable in this position of, tra- of knowing that they're going to get four or five teams in a 12-team tournament. I think it would have put them over a barrel. But, you know, no, but nobody in these – these are all three new commissioners, uh, Klyakoff yeah. at, at, the, at, at the Pac-12 and Warren, and all three of them are brand-new guys. And I don't know, maybe they're feeling their way a little bit, but – to me, it looks like a, a like a blunder. Dave, uh, this probably isn't a fair question to ask anyway. If Jim Delaney is still the uh, the Big Ten commissioner, is there anything he could have done with his clout behind the scenes to maybe finesse the situation, or was it totally there was nothing anyone could have done yes, once the ACC? Yeah, yes, yes, and that's that's it relates to exactly what I just said. These guys are yeah. rookies. When Delaney was a rookie, he went through the fire with the Penn State admission yeah. into the conference. And he was really not a part of making that happen. Uh, that was, as I wrote about, it was up to Stan Eikenberry, the, the president of the council in 10, and Donna Shalala to put that together in the 11th hour. 
or it wouldn't have happened. I mean, he kind of stepped on his, you know, what in putting that mm-hmm. thing together and, and his part in putting it together and allowing it without a plan. As boy, he got he got mature really quickly. He came from the ACC, he, a North Carolina grad, and by a couple of years, he was up to speed and putting together major TV deals. And by the time he had. 30 years in the league, man. He had incredible clout, but not only that, from people I've talked to, like uh, uh, Mark Rudner, who's retired now, he used to be a, a, a major player to putting together TV deals for the Big Ten. Delaney, for for all you can detract from him as far as this, this Belichick-like personality, was really good at getting everyone to – Pee through the same straw. Have you ever heard of that? Nice. Never heard that before, but I'll, that's I'll a, allow it. That's one of your political friends taught me that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you might guess who he is, an operative. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Delaney was very good at, and Donna Shalala told me this too, when I, I, I talked to her about a few other things when I was on the phone with her. And I mean, this is a political woman. She was a U.S. Congresswoman. She's, she knows how these things work. And he was great at allowing everyone to fight and allowing everyone to have their say and almost exhausting them and then saying, okay, we're a group. And when we go out into the world, we have to act like a group. We have to act in unity, not just talk in unity, but act in unity when we get out there. We all had our say, but this is what we're agreeing on. And he was a very powerful uh, uh, presence that way and getting people to cooperate and coalesce as as a group. Um, a lot of people didn't know that the Big Ten Network was going to work. It's the only one that has, and it's been quite lucrative. And I knew in 2007 when they put it together that this guy had the right idea. I knew it would work because the Big Ten has this fervent following. They needed, They wanted something like this, and he was going to get it on basic cable. And he held out for a couple of years in the case of uh, Cablevision in New York and mm-hmm. Warner in the Midwest until he did it. And it's been a mother load for the conference. It's been a golden egg. And he's really the only guy, the, the Big Ten's the only one who's pulled it off. Uh, yeah, if, if they got Jim Delaney behind this, I think he would have pulled everyone together. But they didn't. They had yeah. three new commissioners. So Dave, let me do, just let's do the math for the Penn State fans real quick. So the so so four years away, that that does that start 2022, 23, 24, 25, or is it 23, 24, 25, 26? What are we talking about as the earliest uh, some some change could be uh, made with regard to the playoff? 2026 season. <laughs> we, we are stuck with what we have through 2025. Eef. So we're talking about four more seasons of four teams. Four more years that the the sport gets more and more regional into the South. And what's to prevent that? You know, a lot of the players are in the South. We've gone over this many times. The Rust Belt, the areas that that Scrap Bradley used to recruit out in Western PA. You're old enough and have enough. When's the first time you watched a PIAA high school game uh, like a tournament a tournament game in uh, at Hershey 93 when you got here 94 uh yeah I think uh I, I was I went my old paper I was there for four or five years but I didn't really make the trip 
the football wasn't particularly great in the Lehigh Valley, but yeah, so it would have been like 93, 94, 95, 96. Well, what would you say? I think the difference is noticeable between the WPAL schools then. Yeah. And, and we didn't even see because we came in, I came in in 89, you came in in 94, although you have mm-hmm. Pennsylvania experience before I do. Right. We didn't even see the glory days of the 60s, 70s, early 80s. But then even even since we've been here, I think the difference in high school talent in Western PA is noticeable all over the state then compared to now. Would you say that's true? Yeah, it's funny. I think one of the first year I was here was John Ritchie's final year, maybe his final year at, Makes sense. at, yes, CV, at CV. And what a player. But I, 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 Rod Frisco, who he used to work with, said, yeah, I, did he play in the band at halftime too? Is that? I, I know that's a weird thing to say, but he was such a great guy, a great football player, but he was also he was also in the high school band. But I was like, who is this monster? Playing, I think it was the trombone at halftime, and just just devouring people before going to. I guess he went to he went to he went to two different schools, but he, he, I think he ended Stanford. up at Stanford. Yeah, my brother-in-law tried to recruit him from Michigan. Didn't he Never go to Michigan Fred, first, then go to Stanford? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Michigan and then yeah. Stanford. Yeah, and yeah. Fred talked him into Michigan, and then he got two years of Ann Arbor weather and said, "Nah," <laughs> and then he went to Stanford. Uh, anyway, that's that's what I really when I came into that. Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you remember you remember the western te- the western oh, yeah. in Pennsylvania. That's yeah, all gone, absolutely. man. I mean, it's it's the shadow of what it used to be. That's population drift south is what I'm getting at. And really, I mean, part of the reason that Delaney invited uh, Maryland and Rutgers is he could hope to tap in to the one part of the what would be the Big Ten footprint where they're still yeah. producing a good amount of, of talented recruits, the Mid-Atlantic. I mean, would yeah. you not say that the Mid-Atlantic is the new honeypot, along with parts of Ohio, Cincinnati, but but that's the honeypot recruiting-wise of the whole the, the whole league. And I still yeah. got some, you know, old Midwestern buddy friends in Ohio, man, Ohio, man. I don't even like Penn State, let alone Rutgers, Maryland. Wait, you're all recruiting their regions now. Do you realize yeah. that? Yeah. You know? D.C., Maryland, Virginia, all those schools, That there's a lot of – there's still some pretty good talent there. Yeah, the Allen Iverson, really? Michael Vick region of Virginia, yep. whatever, the Tidewater region. Um, this is – the future of college football. And they're even, the South is even recruiting California quarterbacks. That didn't ever used to happen. And now all the great California quarterbacks, which has been really the cradle of high school talent and quarterbacks forever, as long as I can remember, it's it's always been California. Don't forget about Johnny Unitas, buddy. We're talking about John Unitas. Uh, Joe Montana, Joe Namath, those days Dan are Marino. gone, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, now it's it's for the last 40 years, it's been California and Texas. Yes. And those kids are leaving Pac-12 schools. They're they're coming east. The kid at Clemson, uh, C.J. Stroud at Ohio State, yeah. uh, Alabama kid, they're all California quarterbacks, and that trend is not abating. How do you stop that? Well, how about a Pac-12 team or two? Yeah, in the tournament. That's how you stop. But they want to play at a high level. Pac-12 football is evaporating. I mean, it is almost a non-entity. People don't even care. I mean, you have you seen UCLA games at the Rose Bowl? Have you seen the crowds? Some, yeah, they're not even. Yeah, it's not even half. It's full. like fifteen thousand people. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. 
Yeah, uh, it's sad. USC, is what it is. USC in the recent downturn. USC is the one school along with Oregon, but Washington's beginning to evaporate. That was a huge yeah. football school. Um, it's all just dissolving in front of our eyes because college football's become this regional entity. Well, why? Because there's only four teams that make it. And you exacerbate the problems you already have. If you have eight or 12, all of a sudden people, kids around the school, see around the country, see schools next to them who are in. You get the glory. Now, is maybe a quarterback still wants to play in warm weather? Well, they used to in California. They're not not necessarily going to go to the South. That's what we're talking about here. I don't think history is going to look kindly on these new commissioners, Dave, in four or five years. And I think the phrase that's cutting off the nose to spite your face, is that the, is that the one that fits when, what, what, while I did this? I like piss and the same straw. straw. Yeah. I like I'm going to have to look that up. Um, all right. Hey, listen, I think that was a pretty good conversation we just had on the playoff. Juwan Howard, you loved your Maryland experience. So, uh, We'll see. We'll see how uh, the, the rest of the month. But Dave, before you know it, spring practice is going to start. Your favorite time of the year for Penn State football. I'm excited, and I think you're secretly excited. Yeah, I can't wait till this weightlifting figures come out, boy. Some, <laughs> yeah. some great stuff. We'll have four All right, posts David. on that, right? All right, David Jones. I will see you next week. It's going to be a fun week for you guys. All right, Dave, I'll let you go. See you next Tuesday. Um, Have a good week, man. See you, man. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Live.